Just a few short months ago, Chelsea were crowned as European champions. Coach Thomas Tuchel's stock was as high as it's ever been, and the acquisition of Romelu Lukaku seemed to be the final piece of the Premier League title puzzle. Fast forward to the present day, and Tuchel looks like he ordered a PlayStation 5 and was delivered a dog bed, while Lukaku has been on the naughty step and looks a shadow of the player who bestrode Serie A like a colossus. Where on earth do the Blues go from here? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. We have our very own betting colossus in Mark O'Hare. And Mark Chelsea have a tough test on Sunday against their old boss, Antonio Conte, as he brings in-form Tottenham to Stamford Bridge. Now, I know Chelsea won home and away against Spurs recently in the Carabao Cup semi-finals, but this has a very different vibe about it, doesn't it? To a certain extent, I think so, yes. Um, I think the head-to-head is is hugely swayed in Chelsea's favour. I don't read a huge amount into those kind of trends, but certainly I think they've lost just once in the last 31 home Premier League games against Spurs. Uh, They've won against Spurs three times already this season. They've not actually conceded a goal in the last five head-to-head. And across all venues in the last six Premier League meetings, they've won five of six unbeaten games. But, you know, you can't build a bet just based on, on head-to-head. And I think from a Chelsea perspective, um, yeah, things are starting to get a little bit concerning. Um, I'm personally getting a little bit tired of Thomas Tuchel's constant moans and complaints. Um, I know they've had to play pretty much every three, four days since November's international window. It has been a hard schedule, but that's what you You know that's his entire vibe, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. And he's a prickly character at the best of times. But, yeah, I, you've got probably the, the one of the most expensive squads in the world at your disposable. You've got players out on loan, left, right, and center. You've got a huge, huge you know, roster of players available to you there. So it's not really, a, for me, a, a valid argument to be had um, when you're Chelsea. And I wonder whether it is deflection or whether it is just a, a real sort of discontent among him right now because Chelsea have won once in seven in the Premier League. They're now 12 points off. City, which is a huge drop-off considering they were top of the table at the start of December. I said on the Saturday show that the malaise has probably been embedded for a little bit longer than that. It's four Premier League wins in 13 since October. And that famed defence, which we talked about every other week, it seemed to be, has been creaking for some time. Just two clean sheets in that 13-game spell. And they conceded just three goals in their first 10 games. So, you know, big, big drop-offs. Um, I was really, really impressed by their performance in the first leg of the League Cup against Spurs. Um, while I wonder how much that was Tottenham being terrible and, and Chelsea being good or a bit of both, really. But uh, as well, last weekend in Man City, I didn't think they were too bad at all. I think they had their chances. They played sensibly. They played in a similar manner which has you know, returned results against Man City last season. You know, City were the better team, scored um, a fantastic goal, but uh, the blueprint wasn't the worst idea to go for the Etihad with. And but something doesn't seem quite right at the moment. And you know, leaving Mason Mount on the bench for quite you know as long as they did was peculiar. The spat with Lukaku as well. Um, there does seem to be a few negatives swirling around. And I think you know the influence of Mendy, Chilwell, and James missing, uh, not just from a defensive aspect, but also going forward, does disrupt them. They do not look 
anywhere near as dangerous with Marcos Alonso and Aspilicueta on the flanks. And then you look towards where, where the creativity is coming from. So this is an opportunity for Tottenham. And um, I'm really interested to see how they go to Stamford Bridge and, and attack Chelsea, a Chelsea team that have only won three times in 12 against the top half so far this season. Um, you wonder how Wednesday night's game against Leicester will work in their favour or, or potentially against. Will they be able to get back down to you know solid earth after that performance against Leicester? Uh, where they created, I think, almost 4.5 expected goals, but did give away plenty of chances as well. And I think that's the kind of angle I want to take here. I know there's no Son available, but um, Tottenham have created uh, at least two expected goals in every game in the Premier League under Antonio Conte. Uh, they do start to seem to be finding their feet in, in times in terms of the final third, but I've little confidence in that backline holding firm. You would always expect Chelsea to score, particularly at Stamford Bridge. So I was quite surprised to find both teams to score was trading around 1.94, 1.95, just shy of even money. Uh, that feels quite big to me, considering the way in which both teams are playing at the moment, particularly in terms of the rear guard action. So, uh, yeah, I like both teams to score. I do think Chelsea are a little bit too short. Um, they were around 1.85 for the first leg of that tie uh, against Spurs a few weeks ago, uh, trading around 1.7 for this match too. So if you do fancy Tottenham, you can get them on side with a plus one Asian handicap start at a reasonable price as well. But uh, I'll just back goals, both teams to score. The Data Doctor will see you now. Jake Holskethorpe from Infogol back with us. Jake, you've been nodding furiously there at some of uh, Mark's points. It's been a very frustrating time for Chelsea. What do the numbers tell you about their struggles? Because I agree with Mark largely about their performance against Manchester City, but they had so many good positions in attack that they're just wasted with either a lack of precision or the wrong choice. And it seems like it's been that way for quite a long time now for them. Yeah, it's mainly been away from home that they've been struggling in attacks in terms of creating chances. At home, they've had no problem whatsoever. It's just been a case of not taking them, which is something that we've seen from Chelsea uh, over two or three years, stretching back to the Frank Lampard era, that they've been creating the chances and just not taking them at a rate that they would be expected. Um, yeah, last weekend, I was I was really disappointed with Chelsea. I know they, they looked okay, got into these positions, as you said, but you, you know, you're 12 points behind in the title race. At some point, you've got to have a go and, and try and win the game. You've got the talent to do that. Uh, but I think don't the you we... then get murdered if you do that against City? If you open up completely, <laughs> is it the only way to really kind of hang in there and try and nick it? Potentially, but I, I don't know. I, we haven't seen anybody have a go at City to have that kind of 100% judgment of this is the only way to beat them, if that makes sense. Like, Are Liverpool good? the only team that really give it a go against them, would you say? Liverpool I, tend to fly at them, don't they? I'd say so, yeah. Um, and I, that may be a case that they trust their forwards more than Chelsea trust theirs. And that is, you know, 100% fair from both parties, I guess. But, um, you know, when you've got a, a big, you know, a fantastic striker like Lukaku, who, in you know, there's no Ruben Diaz. He's playing against Laporte and Stones. You know, he surely would thrive off crosses into the box. But they kept just getting into crossing positions and not actually crossing the ball. Um, and then I think they took Lukaku off, put Werner on. Did it the other day against Brighton as well. Um, and, you know, the, cr- the crosses started to come then. And, it, and it's it's almost like they're not playing to the strengths of the players that they have. Yeah, um, I think that's I thought fair. Watching, watching the, the game against Manchester City, especially the first half, Lukaku made so many sensational runs in behind with his arm up saying, play me in, I need the ball. Um, and I think he only got one, which came in the second half, which was his chance that was actually played through. Uh 
that must be so frustrating for Lukaku as a player who was just so used to being the complete focal point of the Inter Milan team. He would run, they would pass him the ball, he'd spin off into into you know the channels and they'd put the ball down there for him to chase because at the end of the day, his main asset is his pace and his strength because he usually bullies defenders. And I think Chelsea trying to be a little bit too intricate in the way in which they're playing. They're not really getting the best out of him just yet. I'm sure that they will eventually. Um, but that is a huge cause for concern. But um, going back to their form at Stamford Bridge, they've obviously dropped quite a lot of points there. But their XG process uh, over the last... Um, the last eight home matches reads 2.71 expected goals for 1.08 expected goals against per game. So they are creating chances at a rate that we see Liverpool and Manchester City create. Difference is they're not putting them away. Um, <clears throat> and as Mark's already said, Spurs are going to be buoyant after that midweek performance, that midweek turnaround. They're still unbeaten in the league under Conte after nine matches. Uh, and just for some some more sort of perspective of just how good Tottenham have been you know, admittedly I hold my hands up they've had a very comfortable schedule I think the, the the only tough games have been away at Leicester home to Liverpool the rest have been bottom half teams predominantly at home um, but since Conte took over Spurs have created 2.55 expected goals for per game which ranks second in the Premier League and Liverpool have created more in that time uh, they've averaged 2.67 non-penalty big chances per game which again ranks second only Liverpool have created more Expected goals against per game of 0.91, which ranks them third behind uh, only Manchester City and Brighton. Non-penalty big chances conceded per game at 0.56, also ranks them third, again behind the same two. And expected points per game of 2.28, which ranks them second behind Manchester City, who've racked up 2.38 expected points per game. So just for some perspective, that is how good Spurs have been from a data standpoint under Conte. Uh, the transformation from Conte to Nuno has just been, it's been staggering, um, really. And, and it, again, it was something we discussed a few weeks back, highlights how valuable a top level coach is uh, in terms of just improving everything, you know, confidence levels, structure, uh, underlying numbers, um, chance creations, all sorts of different things. Um, so they, they do deserve a hell of a lot of credit. Um, and, you know, they deserve respect to the Stamford Bridge. And I agree with Mark. I think that the price of Chelsea to win the game is just too short for me to back. I know that they were incredibly dominant, especially in that first leg uh, of the Carabao Cup game. And while this is Tottenham's biggest test to date, uh, I think that they will do, that they'll play much better than they did in that Carabao Cup game. As Mark said, they've created over two expected goals in all the Premier League games apart from Everton in, in Conte's opener. Um, and, Defensively, I agree with Mark. They, they, they look a, a bit of a mess still because he's not had the players. He's not been able to bring anybody in to strengthen. So yeah, I fell on exactly the same bet as what Mark was saying. Uh, both teams to score 1.94. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Tottenham went there, either A, got a result or B, actually won the game because I think the way in which they're creating chances right now um, and particularly if they go there setting up in a similar manner to they did at Leicester with the three sort of negative-minded midfielders, if you like, of skip, Winks and Hoiberg will be able to combat Chelsea's sort of midfield control a little bit better than they managed in the Carabao Cup game. Now, Leicester are trying to pick up the pieces after that extraordinary collapse against Spurs. They face a Brighton side that looked pretty good against Chelsea in midweek. Odds compiler and tips to Mark Stinchcom once again in our starting side. What do you make of this one, Stinch? I probably feel like a bit of a broken record coming on and talking about backing overs in Leicester games, but do it, do it. <laughs> it just it just feels like the odds in their game should be similar. I mean, we've talked a lot about Serie A on the Saturday show. It just feels like the odds should be 
closer to what they are in Serie A for Leicester games. So um, I'm happy to continue to do it, especially when here it's priced up at 10 to 11. So it's the outsider of the two. And both teams to score is only four to six. So if both teams are scoring, I'm very happy to chance that one of those teams scores at least twice to go from four to six to 10 to 11. That's an enormous boost. So yeah, very happy. Um, 26 of Leicester's last 34 have gone over 2.5 goals. So we've got a strike rate of 76% and we're talking talking about a bet that's closer to evens uh, and we're talking about a spread of data that's nearly a season. So, yep, nothing to kind of put me off. Um, mentioned a lot of times before, the Leicester look at all, all at sea defensively. It's just five clean sheets in those 34 games. I think um, you guys spoke off air about um, the... Vestergaard and Soyonku and even Johnny Evans, um, maybe not that good at doing their job. I'll, I'll throw in there, uh, Kasper Schmeichel. Um, he's ranked as well, the, the stat. You guys have been telling me all season that the stats are just horrendous for him, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't got tons and tons to sort of back it up, but the the main one to look at is um, post-shot expected goals minus actual goals and um, numbers above zero suggest above average goalkeeping or, or good luck and numbers negative numbers suggest the opposite and he's the he's the fourth worst goalkeeper based on that metric this year at minus 3.5 maybe to put that number into context uh david de Gea is the best in the league unsurprisingly at plus 9.7 which just goes to show how often he's been bailing out <laughs> that's United. staggering isn't it yeah it's massive i haven't actually looked but i imagine it's probably the highest in europe because most goalkeepers are in and around the the median uh sort of zero really um so yeah um so yeah Leicester's defense is is there to be got at um but I've mentioned before I don't want to sort of slate Leicester I love their offensive options and I think it's big credit that although they're missing lots of players they've still got the likes of Daka, Madison, Harvey Barnes, Lookman, Tielemans who um, Iose Perez yeah I'm just I feel a bit I feel a bit sorry for them in a way, but you know they did win the Premier League a few years ago, so and they won the FA Cup last season, so maybe not too sorry. Um, yeah, but yeah, 124 goals during this run I'm talking about, so 3.65 goals per game, and the odds suggesting here we're only going to see 2.65, so that's a huge drop off of one goal, and in a low scoring game like football, getting in it, getting a, a drop off of a goal is absolutely massive. Looking at expected goals as well, expected goals in Leicester's games are 3.5, so again similar to what they they're running at. Um, against Spurs very alarming they conceded 27 shots which is enormous in a game that's you know Spurs were any slight favorites I think Spurs were around about six to five faves so you don't not really in keeping with conceding that amount of chances it's nearly five expected goals that Leicester conceded and their defeat from 94-36 or whatever it was is the latest ever defeat from a winning position ever in the Premier League. Uh, the previous one, no surprise. Actually, no, quiz question. What was the what was the previous record that they've broken? Oh, must be a City's good title win. Yes, well done, Jake. Ah, well done. Very good, yeah. Jake. So, um, so that's gone. Obviously, that historically, that was massively famous. So it kind of shows their fragility. Uh, I have to caveat at it all, though, with the fact that 10 of Brighton's last 11 have seen under 2.5 goals. But I think we know this is fairly typical of Brighton games. So, so when they come up against a team that, has, that is volatile as Leicester, I think we're, 
we're happy to lean more on the longer term data. And actual fact, they played each other three times over the last 12 months and, they've, and it's finished 2-2, 2-1 and 2-1. So very happy to take overs when the, the unders is favourite here at the odds. And at the end of the day, betting is all about price. So 10 to 11 over 2.5. Now, we will return to the Premier League in a bit. But first, let's dart across to the Bundesliga. That's where Mark O'Hare is going to take us. Leipzig up against out-of-form Wolfsburg. Mark, Leipzig aren't blowing teams away, but they do have Christopher and Kunku in incredible form and they are grinding out results. Wolfsburg, total trash in the last couple of months. Um, Whole season, Kev. Well, yeah, all season, if you add on Mark Van Bommel's time. I've got to admit, I thought Florian Kofeld would be able to turn them round. He did for a few games, but they just look awful. Yeah, uh, it's it's serious now. It really is. Um, They're they're sleepwalking their way into a a serious relegation battle. I was really alarmed to see actually how bad things have gotten. They're only three points off the automatic relegation positions in the Bundesliga now. So for a team who were quite comfortably in the Champions League positions last season to to fall off those standards so significantly, that's really alarming. And it's it's been dreadful for a long time now, since mid-September, just two wins, three draws and 10 defeats. Since November's international break, you know, Kofeld's been in there for a while then. They've taken two points from a possible 24, uh, two draws and six defeats, and they've failed to score in five of the last six. They are the second lowest goal scorers in the division, and they've lost five or six away when you exclude the bottom six from the division. So, you know, when taking on the better teams in the league away from home, They've come up short. So, yeah, I have to be against them this weekend. I think Leipzig are short enough, of course, um, but I do think they're starting to find their feet a little bit. Um, I thought Jesse Marsh, things just didn't really work out there. They've recovered reasonably well, even though the the sort of performance data was always reasonably strong during his tenure. Um, he wasn't really getting the rub of the green in terms of the results. And if you watch them with your eyes, you realise they, they weren't anywhere close to the standards that Nagelsmann had set with the same team the season before. I think that so- was the problem, Mark, actually. I think Nagelsmann was the issue, not his fault, but when you've got a guy that says to the players, oh, I can make you better, you can do this, you can do that, you can play a possession game, you can do all these things, and then you get a guy who's a good coach, very enthusiastic, but basically wanted to go back to the old school basics, the players just didn't have it. They just didn't want to do that. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing. I think everyone wanted it to work out for Jesse Marsh, uh, you know, an American going into a, one of the big five leagues with a big reputation. But it's it's a shame, really. Um, but I do think Variance is starting to sort of buy back in their favour, really. Uh, I think Tedesco was a, a surprise choice to come in, um, but he has got them moving slightly in the right direction. I think obviously played quite a strong team in the Pokal midweek against Hansa Rostock and got the win. But last weekend was, was reasonably comfortable against Stuttgart. And at home last weekend, uh, I think to beat Mainz, 4-1, uh, I think the scoreline was probably a little bit kind, but even still, that, that's quite a significant scoreline. And at home is where they too tend to come to the parties. Leipzig, seven wins from 10 so far this season. Two of the defeats are against Bayern and Leverkusen. Uh, six wins from seven at home against teams in 10th and below. And they've actually scored 25 goals in those seven games. They've scored at least three goals in all six of the wins. Um, so very impressive going forward when they're playing the lesser lights. Uh, they've pretty much got uh, a strong enough squad uh, to go here this weekend and, and get a result. So rather than just back them to win, um, you can back Leipzig to win at over one and a half goals at 1.81, which stood out to me. It's basically backing them to win by any scoreline, but wasn't 1-0. And um, yeah, they do tend to do the damage against the lesser lights and the Wolfsburg are, are just wretched at the moment. And I just want to get against them any way I can. So uh, yeah, that's the sort of angle in. 
And if you do go for that multiple, worth bearing in mind, our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Let's make our regular hop to Serie A. Torino up against Sassuolo. Both of the marks have a view on this one. Stint shall start with you. Yeah, uh, similar vein to most weeks, I think, in Serie A, we want to get with goals. Um, over two and a half goals here is chalked up at four to six between Torino and Sassuolo. Again, I'm happy to boost that a little bit higher and back both teams to score. And it goes from four to six to five to six. I'm not envisaging either team, <clears throat> if the game does see three or more goals, keep a clean sheet. Um, Torino... Games at home tend to feature more goals because they actually do attack more. Average um, four shots per game more when they're playing at home. Just not surprising, really, in keeping with historically what we know about football. Uh, eight of their 11 home games have seen over two and a half goals. Sassuolo are pretty mad. Um, <laughs> their last 13 away games have seen over two and a half goals and they've scored at least two goals in the last seven matches. So seeing as Torino are chalked up at evens, I think they're going to have a, a tough task on the hands. I'm surprised Torino are chalked up at evens. I would expect, I'd expect in a bit more of a 50-50 match. So I think this is why it gives us a bit of a route in and a, and a bit more of a, a juicier price on the overs and both teams to score. I mean, when these two teams meet, things are just crazy generally. The last 12 meetings have seen 42 goals, which is three and a half goals per game. So again, as I think Mark touched on on the Saturday podcast, while Serie A is still chalked up as a sort of a two and a half goal league when goal averages the last three seasons have been over three, um, we can continue to try and take an take advantage. And I think this is uh, another good, good position in the coupon to, to get involved with. And Mark, how do you see this one? Similar lines or something a bit different? Yeah, same approach. Um, it's all based around Sassuolo, really. Uh, another enthralling game last weekend against Verona. But, you know, it wasn't the first time that they failed to really kind of be their best when playing at home. They were miles off it, really, and deserved to be, you know, three or four goals down by half time and rallied second half. But uh, away from home, they tend to be more like their, their usual selves, a bit more fluent. And Domenico Berardi is back from suspension this weekend, which is obviously a big bonus for them. Uh, their last 16 games in Serie A, 15 have gone over two and a half. 15 have featured both teams scoring. Uh, the overs and BTTS has copped in 14 of those, an average of 3.4 goals per game. But you look at their away record, Stinch touched on it there, but uh, they played 10 away games so far this season all 10 have paid out for this over two and a half from BTTS averaging 4.1 goals away from home which is uh, just sensational really so the only negative I really have is, is Torino and their head coach even Juric who joined last summer after a really successful spell with Verona he's earned himself a, a reputation as an organiser a team who likes to build his teams from the back makes them very competitive and difficult to beat he's very smart um, I'd say he's probably one of the more pragmatic coaches in Serie A but uh, as Stinch has touched on as well you know, in Turin, they do tend to kind of come to the party a lot more than when they're playing away. They've scored in 10 of 11 at home. They've scored twice or more in seven of those. Overs has landed in eight. And the only time they failed to score was against Juventus in the derby. And they do have an inferiority complex in that match. And uh, their last home outing, they absolutely trounced Fiorentina 4-0, which is no mean feat. So, um, yeah, despite kind of Juric's uh, strengths to sort of get a, a team going defensively, uh, Torino have only kept five clean sheets all season, which is really quite surprising. Uh, considering how they do tend to do business. But uh, yeah, overs definitely Sunday gate at 2pm. Uh, uh, really looking forward to that one. 
Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over, under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Let's wrap up in England then. Burnley's plan of trying to sneak through the season without having to play any games has been rumbled. Uh, they have to play Arsenal at the Emirates. Jake, how are they going to get on? Um, most likely going to lose. Uh, I think Arsenal... They deserve, you know, they've been really, really good at home this season. Uh, I massive question marks about their away form personally and whether that's strong enough to um, sort of sustain a top four challenge. But at home, they've been nothing short of, of brilliant. And uh, they ranked as the third best team based on expected points per home game this season, averaging 2.07 expected goals for per game or 1.1 expected goals against per game. So the kind of the, the numbers that we see from the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, not quite as good, but in that sort of um, sort of range. Uh, Burnley have not played a, a league game for about three weeks coming into this match. Um, they've sold their arguably their best player and uh, and you know usually top scorer Chris Wood. Uh, prop up the table now. Uh, they haven't been as bad as what results would suggest if you look at a per game basis. They've actually been the fourth worst team. Um, but yeah, I'm not expecting them to get back to winning ways here, and it's the old podcast staple that I'm going to Arsenal to win under three and a half goals uh, which is around 10 to 11 the Gunners have won five uh, this bet's won in five of their seven home league games this season and Burnley when travelling to sort of the bigger teams this season they've actually done alright they've, they've lost only 2-0 at Liverpool 2-0 at Manchester City and actually got a point with um, with Chelsea 1-1 so uh, I think that's got a good chance of landing Arsenal to win under three and a half goals well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other shows to keep an eye on. Three racing shows now. We've got Racing Only Better, the Wade In podcast. We've got the Cheltenham Rawcast, which has just started as we look ahead uh, in the long term uh, to the Cheltenham Festival. NFL Only Better, the playoffs well underway over in the States. Cricket Only Better as well. And all of the major football leagues previewed on betting.betfair.com. Lots of great politics uh, input from Paul Krishnamurti on that as well. From Jake, from Mark, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now. 